This is the Bread of Life, a ministry of the Bread of Life Fellowship in Boise, Idaho. We are pleased to have you join us as we offer up God's Word as the necessary food for His people. The Word of God finds its fullest expression in the person of Jesus Christ. May He be exalted before you today. Now here is our speaker, Joel Van Hoogen. We often think that the warfare accounted to us in the Old Testament is something unrelated to the spiritual life of the Christian in our day and age, but we need to look again. If you're a Christian, a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, your life is a life born to warfare. Psalms chapter 68, I want to read to you verses 11 through 21 of that psalm. Here is the image of the ark being brought up from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of Jerusalem. Here is an image of, as well, at the same time as David is celebrating this great event, he's running through his mind the kaleidoscope of history that has gone in the past, the expression or the panorama, I might say, of history of the nation of Israel when they entered into Canaan and drove off the kings of Canaan and ultimately, through David, defeated the Jebusites that were in Jerusalem and conquered that city And now the ark is going up to be expressed and to be residing in the city of Jerusalem where God will reign over the people of God, over the house of Israel. The Lord God gave word. Great was the company of those women who proclaimed it. Kings of armies flee, they flee. And she who remains at home divides the spoil. Though you lie down among the sheepfolds, You will be like wings of a dove covered with silver and her feathers with yellow gold. When the Almighty scattered kings in it, it was white as snow on Zalman or on the Black Mountain. A mountain of God is the mountain of Bashan. A mountain of many peaks is the mountain of Bashan. Why do you fume with envy, you mountains of many peaks? This is the mountain which God desires to dwell in. Yes, the Lord will dwell in it forever. The chariots of God are 20,000, even thousands of thousands. The Lord is among them as in Sinai in the holy place. You have ascended on high. You have led captivity captive. You have received gifts among men, even from the rebellious, that the Lord God might dwell there. Blessed be the Lord who daily loads us with benefits the God of our salvation, Selah. Our God is the God of salvation. And to God, the Lord belongs, escapes from death. But God will wound the head of His enemies, the hairy scalp of the one who still goes on in his trespasses. The Lord said, I will bring back from Bashan, I will bring them back from the depths of the sea, that your foot may crush them in blood, and the tongues of your dogs may have their portion from your enemies. Well, I think you'll note when you look at the psalm that there's an account of a warfare that's taking place. God is bringing about a victory. David is projecting upon battles fought in the past and victories won, but he's also projecting himself forward in a messianic vision of a battle that's yet to be completely brought to its fruition and culminate, but a victory that will take place at that moment in time and a great coronation that will take place at that time in Jerusalem. God is in the middle of a battle. And the victory that takes place is not only God's victory, but God allows His people to take part in the victory as well. In verse 13, you have an expression, something of the peace that can take place in the midst of this battle, but also the outcome of this victory altogether. Whatever expressions of peace take place in the middle of this battle are expressions of 
of peace and rest that we have ultimately because we know that the battle is ours and the victory will be given to us. So you have this image or this expression of the peaceful rest of the people of God in God's sheepfolds. They're like sheep resting in the midst of a sheepfold. It's a picture of pastoral rest under the watchful eye of a good shepherd. And also you have an image here, not only of restful sheep, but you have an image of gentle doves that have wings gilded in silver and gold. Now, there is an expression of the heavenly dress or righteousness that God showers down upon His own people. So there you have sheep at peace, gentle doves, cloaked in shimmering silver and gold. That's the picture. But that picture and that image stands out in bold relief against the images that surround that verse. In verses 11 and 12, you have the image of battle that's taking place. You have armies who have resisted the people of God and their leaders now are forced to flee. And the women rejoice over their flight. They flee, they flee. You have in verse 12, the wealth being distributed among the people of God from the armies that have been defeated and totally ransacked. In verse 14, while the sheep are resting in the sheepfold of peace like gentle doves, what you have in verse 14 actually is the image of the carcasses of the defeated dead lying upon a black mountain. That's what it says here. You see, there's this mountain called Zalman, and that mountain actually means the black mountain. And it was likely covered in some kind of rock, some type of volcanic rock that gave it a dark covering. And now, as the people look at it, the mountain appears to be covered in snow. But upon a closer focus, the imagery here is, the poetic idea here is, that as you look closer... The white is not snow. It's the carcasses of the defeated and stripped dead lying upon the mountain. And that stands against the image just before it of sheep within the sheepfold resting peacefully and the gentle dove gilded in silver and gold. In verses 20 and 23, God brings His people to escape death from the crushing blow of the enemy by instead bringing His own blow upon the head of the enemy who pursues and continues to pursue and live in their wickedness. And as the enemy flees, God captures them and retrieves them, and He brings them back to a place of judgment, and there He allows His own people to participate in the defeat of the enemy. Let's read it. The Lord said, I will bring back from Bashan, I will bring them back from the depths of the sea, that your foot may crush them in blood, and the tongues of your dog may have their portion from your enemies. Well, it's graphic language. It's the expression of a battle that's taking place. It's drawn from a historical experience of the conquest of Israel as they went into the land of Canaan in the promised land. It's drawn from David's own experience. You know, God did not allow and permit for David to build the temple because he was a man of blood. He was a man of battle. In fact, he had won Jerusalem itself by a battle against the Jebusites. David is rejoicing over those things, but he's anticipating there are battles still to be fought. And that God will yet reign. God will express himself as completely victorious. That there are still foes that God will bring before the feet of his people. That's the anticipation. It's the picture of battles past. It's the projection of battles of future. What does this all teach us? Well, let me give you an application or a lesson. It teaches us that the challenge of the Christian life is wisely seen as one of warfare. 
The challenges of the Christian life are wisely seen as warfare. God chooses the language by which we approach the Christian life. The age that we live in does not get the right to choose the final language by which we identify our mission or our roles or our function or our lives. They might be willing to grant us the pleasing language that expresses an agreement with the sensitivity of the age. They might like to grant us the language of the imagery of sheep and sheepfolds or gentle doves shimmering in silvery and golden days or even of women rejoicing over benefits and blessings received. But if we take that language, we must also take the language that God gives us, which describes our spiritual sojourn in this world, and we must let the language then of war linger. If you look at the New Testament, you'll see that this language that God gave to the nation of Israel, God extends to His church and His people today. That the language of war is not pass A. It's not to be put behind us. It's to be accepted and embraced in this day and age. By the way, you might have noticed in your bulletin that the title of the message is War there. And I know that this is the last message before Valentine's Day, but this has nothing to do with Valentine's Day whatsoever. All right? This has to do with the Christian life. We must accept these terms. We must embrace the identification that God gives us. So let's just consider this for a moment. What does the New Testament reveal to us about the Christian life? Well, the New Testament tells us that the Christian is at war with his own flesh. In 2 Peter 2.11, we are told to guard ourselves against fleshly desires that war against our souls. In Romans chapter 7, verse 23, the Apostle Paul identifies the principle of his own sinful flesh and declares that it is at war with the impulse of his mind that wants to please and serve God. Romans 8.13, recognizing that his flesh is at war with the impulse of his mind and his heart and his desire to live and please God, he calls upon himself and all Christians to go out in the power of the Holy Spirit who resides within them and to put to death the deeds that are done in their own flesh. Now that's the imagery of war. And it's war against your own fleshly, natural, impulsive appetites. The flesh yearns after those things that would bring us into destruction and it wars against the very spirit that God gives the new person in Jesus Christ that longs to live for Him and please Him and serve Him. And so there's a personal warfare going on in our lives against the impulses of our own flesh. And this warfare is to be conducted by and carried out by with us living in cooperation with the Holy Spirit who abides and dwells within us. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, you can go there. Paul builds upon this idea. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 6, this idea of this warfare against the flesh for the Christian is expanded upon. There it says this, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. You cannot battle the impulses of your flesh with the energy of your flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, they're not fleshly, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds, the casting down of arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to obedience to Christ. 
and being ready to punish all disobedience when our obedience is fulfilled. The picture here is of a Christian who doesn't make peace with himself. He doesn't make peace with his own fleshly desires. He doesn't make peace or sign a peace accord with his own or her own undisciplined and sinful thoughts, but instead immediately goes on attack against them by the power of God's own Spirit rising up within them, so that they're even willing to punish themselves, you might say, for their disobedient thoughts. Do you know how it is? The thought comes in your mind. You might not even know it for a period of time. You may have subtly found yourself in a point of mental retreat in an undisciplined moment, and then you catch yourself in a train of thought some negative train of thought, some self-defeating or God-defeating train of thought, a thought that goes against God's will and God's purpose for your life, some pattern of behavior in which you see all of a sudden that you've been living for yourself and based upon assumptions that are not true and right and what God declares not to be true. And at that moment when you find yourself shocked at that you've been thinking that way, you shake yourself and you say, God forbid, it won't be. I won't think this way. I won't live this way. Oh, God, forgive me and wash me and cleanse me. Punish yourself and move on. A Christian is at war with his own flesh. For now, let us just reissue the call to this war. Brothers and sisters, be brave and fight. This has been the Bread of Life, a ministry of the Bread of Life Fellowship in Boise, Idaho. For a copy of this broadcast, call us at 208 331 4096. Until the next time, may God bless you.